you really wanna know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads webcast, brought to you by Trio 4 Productions. We are the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics, found on the web at almostheavenathletics.com. Here today to recap the second game of the 2019 West Virginia football season, which resulted in a 38-7 loss to the Missouri Tigers, dropping the Mountaineers to 1-1 on the 2019 campaign thus far. Joining me are, are my co-hosts, a couple members of the Almost Heaven Athletics team. We have Steven. What's up, everybody? And we have Bradley. Oh boy, I'm ready to start talking. There's a lot to a lot to dive into. Uh, lot to dive into this week. Uh, not not too much good, but definitely a lot of a lot of talking points we can get into. You know, West Virginia was lucky to avoid the shutout. That's for sure. Um, Anybody want to kick things off with some opening thoughts? Uh, Bradley, what do you got? You know, that was probably one of the most disappointing losses I've seen in a long time. Yeah. You absolutely. know, that was that, that, that one hurt as a mountaineer. But you know what? I, 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 we couldn't get a run game going. The, the passing was just awful. It was, it was heartbreaking. I had to work. I couldn't really just sit back and watch the game. I was trying to watch it on my phone in between shifts. Right. And it was just not uh, – it was not great. Yeah. Just, it was – it was, you know, it was about as as Neil Brown put it uh, at halftime going into the break, is that it was a type of game where anything that could go wrong uh, did go wrong, especially go wrong. in the first half. There, um, Stephen, anything you want to add? Initial thoughts, uh, talking about the uh, lopsided loss that West Virginia took this past Saturday. Uh, yeah, um, I, it was bad. It was it was really bad. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. Sure. I don't. I don't think any of us are, uh, uh, of us three are really surprised about the outcome. I knew we. Had, I think we all knew that w- there was a potential for that to happen, especially with uh, how the line played last week. And that's that's the main concern I had going into the into the game, and that was the the main source of her cons- main pro- source of the problem. I feel like. Oh yeah. That just, you know vibrated throughout the entire uh and the entire team and when you got missouri with those guys coming off of a loss and they're all hungry for a win and you got kelly bryan out there playing the way he does uh it's just not a good uh a good mixture of things if you're if you're west virginia but uh i just think that west virginia just if you're west virginia you just continue to build on what positives you did see trust the climb trust the climb man yeah, but see, the thing is, like, uh, that like was worth said, anything if it didn't mean anything. You exactly, know? exactly. They they made that uh, slogan for for a reason, you know. And I think that, you know, as granted, I think all three of us, we all three picked the Missouri game as a loss in the season predictions, yeah, and then as well as the uh, prediction show, the preview show for the game, uh, this past show that we did here on the Country Roads webcast. But I don't think any of us saw this type of loss coming. I think that it's, uh, you know, from game one to game two, you're supposed to see the the most improvement from uh, from your team. But Allegedly, you, that's the thing. Do you that's ever thing. see a loss like that coming, though? 
No, you don't, but... My, the, no, the you thing, definitely do not see a loss coming here. Well, the thing is, did you guys see improvement in any areas? And if so, what areas? Or did you see more regression across the board? Uh, Steven, what do you think? Uh, no, no, I didn't see any improvement at all uh that's, I seen, that's the worrisome part right i seen regression but i also i also seen the the youthfulness that we talked about in the in the you know the prediction round table and then again last week on the we've uh, got a lot of young guys that are just you know, learning how to yeah. play yeah i mean we're not we're not going out there necessarily i don't want to say it like that but we're not necessarily going out there this year uh, to to win ball games, uh, as cynical as that may sound, I think you go out there and you look for what you can build on and what you can improve on. So now, with what West Virginia has done on Saturday, they look at that, they find what few positives we did have, and you try to build off of those. But first, you you got to start by finding somebody who's going to fill that right guard position because moving Josh Seals there and and Barrett back to the center position clearly didn't work. And I think. Got, yeah, no. Right tackle, that whole guards. right side had to struggle. I think the right tackle, I think Kelby Wickline struggled yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, truly, truly awful. Yeah, it's it's bad right now on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, I think Seals and McKivitz are good. And um, I think Mike Brown's got potential. But, I mean, it's I think all, outside of Seals and McKivitz, I mean, it, it could be a situation where you have open competition and see who's going to who's gonna get in there and at least be physical because I think that's what you're not seeing is the guys know the technique, but the, it feels like these guys aren't physical. They're not pushing anybody off the ball. I mean, you guys, I mean, Bradley, you think that uh, what West Virginia, any ideas on what West Virginia can do to improve this offensive line play or to make improvements in, in any spots really? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to something we haven't talked about. I'm going to look at recruiting. You look at some of the recruits Neil Brown's been getting. We've gotten three big, stout offensive linemen in this upcoming recruiting class. You know what I mean? true. That was like one of the first positions Neil Brown hit, and I think it's because he knew it was going to look like this. You know, I think that's in his head he saw our offensive line was going to struggle, and I don't think he thought they were going to struggle this bad. Well, that's but the thing, too. You have to realize that Neil Brown, is re- he's inheriting everything he has right now. He doesn't have any guys that he went yeah. and got. I mean, if you count Austin Kendall, you can, but he doesn't have true recruits that are his. So he, I mean, he didn't to have very fair, many. Though, to be fair, though, I think the, the guys that he, do have, that he does have have bought in quite a bit. And that makes me feel oh, that's, yeah, that I like think you're just nervous right now. There's something going on right now that's not syncing up, and I trust in my head coach to get that figured out. I think this is the right. best for around and we'll see what it, what it is. I don't necessarily mean that they haven't bought into it. The, the point I make is I don't care if you've got Jalen Hurts and you've got Reggie Bush in the backfield. If you don't got too deep, you got nobody. You know, you're going to lose every game that season because you can't play one guy the whole game. That's what West Virginia has right now in a lot of positions, that, uh, you know, more or less. They have guys, but those guys have never played, so they've got guys going in there uh, just – Running with like a chicken with their head cut off, they they probably yeah. know their assignments. They're just probably nervous at the time, and they you know they they miss tackles and and what have you. This this is a bad deal when you got a lot of a lot of freshmen like that. I mean, it's no. everyone knows in college football, first year guy, not gonna do too well. I mean, in very rare cases, yeah, you have true freshmen that play well, but most of the time, yeah, like. It's it's hard to come in and you know speed of the game's different. Everything's everybody's more talented. It's you know just a whole different whole different level. Hard to do. And I think when you talk about you know the, this roster, I think Neil Brown even spoke to it today. And and the Big Twelve teleconference said something along the lines of 
of he he is since the first winter workout. So I mean, since you know back when he first got here, he said he realized that they've got some uh, deficiencies on the roster, and he said they knew that there would be some challenges, and he's addressed those challenges openly, and you know tried to get everybody to to realize what what type of year it, it was going to be. But he says you know they've got to get better and you know put them in a put him in a better spot to try and be successful. And he said, of course, also, like, as we mentioned, do a great job in recruiting. So I don't think this was a surprise to Neil Brown. He even came out and said that he knew that the running game would struggle, but he said he wasn't expecting it to be last in the country, which is where West Virginia is sitting after two weeks, last in the country in yards per carry and next to last in, in total rushing yards. So it's like 1.1 uh, yards per carry, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty I'm, bad. I'm I think believe. it's, I think it's one or one point. It's right there at one. Yeah, definitely. And so another, I, another thing I want to talk about on the defensive side of the ball, our defense has been doing all right. They locked him down in the second half, but I'm still seeing this. We're taking hits and not giving hits. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between third and six and third and fourth. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just having a running back hit you, and we see a lot of guys falling back two yards instead of driving their feet two yards. That, that stuff matters, you know what I mean? And I don't know. I'm used to West Virginia coming with a pop, you know what I mean? Yeah. Carl Joseph, safety. I think so. Swing. Well, I think, I think yeah. some of that falls back onto the offense, though, because I think the defense, you know, plays good, but I think they, they're getting worn down because the offense can't sustain drives either. So I think, you know, later the later you get in the games, the defense can't play up up to their potential, really, because they've been on the field for, for so long. Uh, yeah, Cruz, I can actually relate to that. Having been a defensive guy myself, I can definitely right. tell you right now, if you're on the offense or if you're on the field more than the offense, uh, you definitely kind of, you know – more than physically, you mentally, you you know, you're telling yourself like, you know, can these guys help you out a little bit? Can they get a little bit of a push? And, exactly. Uh, and, and those two units motivate each other. If the offense does good, the defense is you know higher energy level, and vice versa as well. So it's 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 all hard of being a team. Yeah, it's hard Absolutely. when you got one one side struggling. So. Um, the, the, the question is, of course, you know, the big thing is, is the run game. We'll talk about quarterback play here here in a bit. But as far as the run game, I mean, do you, do you guys have any ideas of what West Virginia can do? Or, you know, what how, how do you think West Virginia can improve this run game going forward, uh, Stephen? Um, uh, yeah. I, I keep preaching That's, it. I, I sound like a broken tough. record. I, I know that I, that I do. The offensive line, I, I'm – you guys, I'm. You're not going to have any any type of offense. I don't care what kind of offense you run. You're not going to be successful doing anything, unless you have an offensive line in place that can even sustain a block for a second. Let I mean, West Virginia right now. I mean, it's it's pitiful. You watch these guys. I mean, they come off the they come off the line. The defensive line taps our our, uh, our offensive line guys and goes straight through and gets a tackle. I mean, it's every <laughs> single time. Even on the pass plays, Austin Kendall's got. I mean, he's got one. And a half seconds before he's got to get the ball out of there. Yeah, I mean, the, run, the running backs, as soon as they even get the ball, before they get the ball, they've got, they've got two defensive linemen in their face trying to, you know, get them. So, Absolutely. before you have anything, especially in the run game, you have to def- you have to find somebody. You've got to find somebody that can hold their block and just hold a man up. You know, you've seen West Virginia go to it a lot on Saturday, especially towards the end of the game. Uh, those quicker run plays. It was just like. Mm-hmm. Just get up, hit the guy, and you know get the get the ball to the running back as quick as you can. Get him, you know, three four yard play. 
And then they, they even went double tight in on one side a, lot, um, a few times there yeah. towards the end just to kind of well, run and then, get that extra push on that side. And then in the second half, you seen him come out in like that flex bone wing, wing T formation, you know, with the oh. two backs on the sides and stuff. And yeah. they got a couple good plays to Tevin Bush out of that. I mean, the longest two run plays on the year right now are, are, are from Tevin Bush and Sam James. So yeah. two receivers have your run play because that's just catching the defense off guard and, you know, not having to have guys hold their blocks so long because it's just that little fly sweep. So, I mean – I don't know, maybe you got to do something quicker like that to try and get it going. Uh, I know Letty Brown's been out. You know, I don't think it's the backs, though, so I'm not saying that bringing him back is going to make no. a difference, but yeah, he's a better guy. Backs. But guess what I'm saying? Kennedy McCoy and Marto Petaway have averaged five yards a carry throughout their career, so it's not the backs. It's got to be something to do to do with the blocking. Um, Bradley, anything you want to add there as far as run game in, in a way that you see it, it could it can improve or, or you're, you're kind of evaluate his performance? You know, I just think I, if I'm Kennedy McCoy and I'm anybody else in our backfield, I'm really just frustrated that my offensive line is as bad as it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I and I don't understand why they're bad. I feel like I was not this unconfident and confident in our offensive line coming into the season, but I, it was, it's just been kind of brutal. I think we maybe throw in some pitches, really throw in more motions. I think Neil Brown has to dig into his playbook a little bit more. A lot earlier than he wanted to. I think you're going to have to get creative. Yeah, he's going to have to start doing some stuff. And I think that includes getting Tevin Bush involved more, maybe throwing Alex Singfield out there in that slot position and really starting to just, you know, put a speedy guy that can go from side to side and really stretch out that defensive line, you know, give you some gaps on the inside. I think a lot of the reason you don't see a lot of the playbook right now is uh, you don't want to show too much out of of, uh, conference, you know. Yeah. True, that's understandable, but I mean, it's at, at this same, point in time, you kind of got to get wins where you can get wins. You, yeah, you know, and, and just getting into the Big Twelve is not going to too much better. If we your can. offensive line is has got to have to get some confidence, and I think you know, even you know, something that coaches will do when the run game is not working is they'll throw some of those quick quick screens to the receivers and stuff, kind of as an extension of the run game. And even when West Virginia's tried to do that, the out blocking on the outside by the receivers hasn't really held up to where those have really worked either. You know, we've seen it work a couple times, but not uh it's failed more that more than it's worked i think so i think just just blocking as a whole i don't know what what it is it's like the physicality seems like it's it's not there the hard edge seems like it's not there and i don't know i mean maybe after seeing themselves on film two weeks they'll they'll bounce back but i mean i don't know i thought they would bounce back last week so i just really don't know how to how to judge it what to expect from it you know going forward really yep also guys i hate to do this but i'm a call about my grandpa, so I'm gonna step away for a few minutes, and I'll be back in a little bit. Okay. Sounds good. All right, you two got this. Be right. All right, so Stephen. Let's. I mean, let's talk about the run game a little bit. Let's. Let, I want to talk about the pass game um, somewhat because I think that you know everyone's kind of really hard on Austin Kendall right now, and you know I know that he wasn't at his best by any means. Uh, the one interception was behind Tevin Bush. That was definitely probably his fault. And then, you know, the other one was tipped, so maybe not so much his fault. But, um, you know, does it really matter who West Virginia has back there at this point? I know that uh, Neil Brown said today in the Big 12 teleconference that it was hard for him to kind of assess Austin Kendall's performance due to the fact that, by his count, Austin Kendall got hit eight times in the first three offensive series for West Virginia. So, I mean, is Austin Kendall – did he regress from week one, or is it just – the offensive line struggles not doing him any favors. Uh, no, I, I, Austin Kendall is fine. Austin Kendall is not the problem. Uh, I, 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 in my mind, it solely rests on the offensive line. If you have no offensive line, 
who has time to do anything? Receivers don't have the time to have time to get open because they have they don't have a quarterback to throw it to them. If you're running the ball, you don't have anybody. It just it, I think it all just comes back on that line, man. I, and I think that we have a good offense in place if it if we do have a line. If I think if we just have um, a right guard and a right tackle and a left tackle, we're okay. If we've got those three guys in place, the other three guys are fine in my mind. I think that they do as well of a job as you should do. Uh, not that they can't improve. They obviously can't improve. Those three guys, right. though, you obviously have two NFL guys and and, uh, and Colton McKivitz and Josh Seals. Right. And Kelby Wickline, I also feel like, is, is, um, is at times good. But those other, those other guys – Chase Barrett and all them, you gotta you gotta prove yourself, man. You gotta get somebody, and if you don't, they've got to find someone to put in there that can prove themselves. Because, and, and going back to what Bradley said earlier, though, uh, he said it's all about wins this season. I agree, but I disagree. I don't think it is all about wins. I think, uh, especially with the line, the, you know, there's many problems as we've had on the line, as many problems as we've had throughout the entire team, uh, and and. I, I don't. I don't think it is about wins. I think this season is about finding who you got, finding who your playmakers are, and then you come out next season, and that's when you find out. That's when it's all about wins. That's when you're starting to find who you are, and that's when you know what you should be doing. Right now, West Virginia's don't even. We've got no identity. We're just a mystery right now. We, you know, we oh, yeah, going into the season. What would you have thought our strongest on the, on the team would I have mean, been? I think I think like everyone, you would have thought the run, the run. You game would have thought the running game. Relied you on the running, running game. backs just like me and everybody else. And it right. um, it's obviously the weakest point on the team. Uh, probably not the weakest, but with the line, I'm going to say the weakest. I mean, I, it's. I mean, it, statistically, yeah, it's definitely. Definitely right. the, the I mean, biggest if area. The, yeah, yeah. If the line wasn't so weak, it wasn't. Be, it wouldn't be as abysmal, but. Right, right. Well, it, it, but it is. It's statistically the worst one on the team. So, I well, mean, and like and like you said, I think that I think you know, orig- initially you kind of wanted the year to be about be about wins, but I think now after seeing the team through the first two games and and the way that you know it's it's bad football on offense. You know, Neil, Neil Brown said it a couple times, and, and, it, and it truly is. I think that now it's about it's about finding your guys that you can use on that offense to have some effect and maybe it's some of the younger guys and if so that can help you in the future maybe you try some of these redshirt freshmen on the offensive line you know the James Gemitters, Blaine Scotts or something I wouldn't be surprised to see some different guys get in the mix on offensive line just so they can see what they have and I think it's about finding your guys and like you said finding an identity because this team doesn't have an identity right now you know without being able to run the football you know their identity is not a run team but their identity is not a pass team because they haven't really excelled in in that area either you know and so it's just it's really just an offense that's in disarray right now yeah i mean if anything if west virginia's classified as, as any type of team right now it's a punting team that's all they ever do that's, and that's the only yeah. thing they do well so that's that's the bad thing so right but i i think let me put it to you like this would you have ever known Pat White if it wasn't for Adam Bednar going down with an injury? Yeah, that's so well. It's, you got to try new guys to be able exactly. to find exactly. And some guys, some guys don't show. Some guys don't show it in practice. 
Well, that's what we were about to transition but into. But we were we were discussing, still discussing the offense, discussing uh, quarterback play of uh, of Austin Candle, and if if we thought that he had really progressed, or if it was on the offensive line. And we both kind of agreed that it was the offensive line. But I was going to ask, you know, you hear a lot of people calling for Trey Lowe, and you know, in practice, obviously Austin Kendall's outperformed. But people okay. said the same thing about Ben Eric over Pat White. Not saying Trey Lowe could be Pat White, but sometimes you have those guys that He's aren't really good practice players. Team. They aren't practice players, but they perform in game. So, I mean, with the offensive line that you got, is is it could it be beneficial to put Trey Low in? Maybe roll him out, run some read option, you know, get get a guy that can move and maybe make something happen. Or is it going to be just more of the same, no matter if the guy that you have back there is a dual threat or not with the, with the offensive line you have? What do you think, Bradley? Uh, yeah, I want to add this one real quick. Uh, I just want to let Bonner Nation know anybody that was listening. My, my grandfather earlier, uh, my grandfather fell earlier, and I was just getting a call about that, just some family issues. But he's doing good, so he's on his way to Charleston. Hope, hopefully he's all right. Uh, I'm hoping uh, you hear know, good news when you came back. It's all about family. you got to do that first, man. Absolutely, family first family always. First. So it makes Mountaineer Nation, Mountaineer Nation. It's family right first. on, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think throwing Trey Lowe in there would definitely help, getting that mobile dual-threat quarterback out there. You know, it's going to be – it would definitely not – I don't think it would hurt. I think we would see a lot of fresh, young, raw, you know, stuff happen, a lot of bad throws, a lot of interceptions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think we would actually see production there. Yeah. I, I'm on I'm on the fence about it just because with how bad the the offensive I I, I want to see him personally like personally I'd like to see him get on the field just to see see what he can do really but then at the same time I'm I'm just like if what if we you know put him behind this offensive line get him injured and then you know mess him up for the future so I'm 50 50 on it I think it could be good but then also if the offensive line doesn't improve um, you know I'm iffy about it there as well uh, Stephen what are your thoughts about a quarterback and maybe a potential change to, to Trey Lowe or or what are your, what are your thoughts on on Trey Lowe in this system or or just if any quarterback can have success right now oh, with yeah I think that you hit the nail on the head with the uh, the the part about him getting injured. I, I don't think that the the answer right now is to switch quarterbacks. I think Austin Kendall's the man for the job. I think if, like I said earlier, if he's got a line to block, he can do a lot more uh, with the time in the pocket if he's got the time. Uh, I I do, however, want to see a little bit more of Trey Lowe in certain situations. I feel like certain situations should call for certain packages. I feel like no Brown has that up his sleeve. Uh, we will see that at some point. Um, but that's that's what I – and that's the way I want to see Trey Lowe. I don't want to see him take the starting job from Austin Kendall just yet. I think that he has some growing to do as a player. I think that he's a very talented player from what I've seen, uh, some clips of him in practice and everything like that. I think that he's got great potential. Uh, but from what everything I hear, his decision-making just isn't there yet. So I think that giving him the full offense and making him the starter quarterback right now isn't really the best decision. And plus, you don't want to kill the morale of Austin Kendall, who's just now trying to get the, um, you know, become the leader of the offense because he was he was just named a starter four weeks ago. He hasn't even had the offense that long. So right. well, I definitely I, haven't given up on Austin Kendall. You know what I mean? I think he's a wonderful young man. I think he's just mm-hmm. having maybe it's a confidence issue, and I think that comes from not having offensive line. You know, I wouldn't Absolutely. be confident if I couldn't stand in the pocket. But I think if we can ever get that down, I would definitely think this kid could, you know, pop off and be, you know, a great, honestly, next year. If he can find a swing this year, I, I would love to see where that kid could go. Well, I think also, there's no, Jack Allison, there's no question though, nobody's, ever, nobody's mentioned Jack Allison. Cruz, well, you think? I, I, I think he's gone. I think he, uh, the kid's probably going to transfer out. That's. I've I've I heard think, I've heard the rumblings uh, that you know that apparently he took West Virginia off of his Twitter bio and a few other things, but um, you know 
and people talk about the quick hook Neil Brown gave him in the game, but Neil Brown said in his post-game press conference, he said, you know, Jack Allison came in, threw an outcut into cover two, and basically more or less said, you know, that's quarterback in one-on-one. You can't can't make that type of mistake. So I think that, you know, maybe Jack Allison took that the wrong way. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to stick around or not. But I think at, at this point, I, I think that Trey Lowe should be should be your backup quarterback. If, if that's just the way I feel about it, I think he's – Austin Kendall doesn't give you – I mean, Jack Allison doesn't really give you anything different than what Austin Kendall gives you. And, you know, um, Trey Lowe, I think, gives a little bit of a different element and could possibly be more dynamic. Well, when I think about it, if I'm going to dedicate – I've already dedicated more time to one junior quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get, try to convince a second one, a junior quarterback, you know, to get plays when he wasn't doing that great. Or I could just invest in a freshman, you know what I mean? I'd rather just take the better of the two juniors and then take the, the freshman and see what happens. I'd also like to see Jarrett Dagey. I'd like to see that guy get his four games in. You'll see him next happens. year. You'll, well, you'll see him this year, but it won't be it won't be significant. Enough I mean, he's got those he four, four games. He's got those four games. I mean, let's, right. Let's, right. Uh, do you guys think that he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna play for, in four games? I, I would hope so. I think so. I think he will. I think they find a way to get him in four games just because when you do get him back. That much more experience in, at the at this level of college football, you know. I think um, I'll take it all day. If, so, uh, if, 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 what, if I'm a betting man, I I, I would bet that Jared Deggie will be the starter once Austin Kendall's gone. So I think so too, but I think that uh, Garrett Green, the four star coming in, I think he's a wild card. And but I think oh, that, I, I like think Garrett that, Green a lot. Shout out I mean, Garrett I think Green. next year. Garrett Green's the man. I'm a big fan as well. I think next year, though, looking at the quarterback room, um, if Jack Allison stays, you'll have Jack Allison and Kendall as seniors. Uh, Daigie is a junior. Lowe is a sophomore. And uh, Green is a freshman. So you got a quarterback in every class. But do you still think that we see an open quarterback competition uh, next season? Yes. I think we have a hot quarterback competition next season. I think I think so too. I think that it's going to be, you know, Austin Kendall may be the starter this year, and you know, hopefully he keeps that job throughout. But I think next year they're going to open Kelly it back Bryant. up again and give these guys an, a chance. Kelly Bryant won a national championship and was in a quarterback battle the very next off season. Yeah, yeah. I, think we'll oh, have yeah. One. I think so too. I think so too. Well, and here, here's here's another question for you guys regarding the quarterback position. Um, if things keep uh, staying the way they are. Uh, do you guys think that Austin Kendall will make it through the full year? I mean, the guy's tough. I'm not questioning his toughness, but this guy has taken a lot of hits in the first two games. I don't want to ever predict an injury, but if a situation or scenario ever called for somebody to get hurt, I I would truly be amazed if, if the kid made it through this entire season being healthy. If, if our offensive line doesn't improve, we're going to lose uh, you know some guys there because that's – that's that's far too many hits. Like I said, Neil Brown said eight times in the first three series yesterday. I mean, I've I've seen him his head hit the ground. He's got that cut on his hand. I've seen him limping yesterday. The kid's tough. He's got moxie. He's got toughness. But our offensive line's got to improve if we don't want to see uh, him get hurt or or someone else for that matter as well. Yeah, and it sucks that we have to speculate on a quarterback change just because the offensive line isn't that good. Yeah, that's you know, the thing. so you're well, really that's just, what, I don't, I don't crossed, think the fingers crossed we get that issue solved then. The ceiling's the limit, I guess. Exactly, because I think you haven't really got to see what Austin Kendall can do fully yet, just because he hasn't had, you know, the opportunity to really, you know, sh- showcase. So I don't think that you pull him out and put somebody else in, but I think that 
you know, if something was to happen and somebody else may have to go in is, uh, you know, my kind of thoughts on it. Not, I'm not saying a quarterback change should be made, but I'm saying due to injury, you know, Trey Lowe might want to, uh, might not want to have him ready, you know, the quarterback taking hits the way that they are. But so, I, I mean, I'm more, I think I'm more impressed that he's thrown three touchdowns with the line that we have. Yeah. It's, that's, that's, that's to be, that's for sure. Uh, I'm, I was just happy that he hit that long one to uh, George Campbell, and uh, we avoided the shutout. I didn't want to have 2013 Maryland on our hands. But since I since I brought up the 2013 team, you know that's kind of the last time we had some of these same struggles. The last time we kind of got uh, kind of got beat like this in a game. We all predicted six and six. Uh, 2008. I mean 2013 West Virginia went four and eight. Uh, you guys revising your predictions just yet, or are you still keeping your faith on the six and six? Uh, Steven, start with you. Uh, I'm holding strong, man. I've got faith in them. I think they'll go. I'll get. They'll get to six and six, one way or another. I still hold true to they will win. If they will gain. They will win at least one game. They're not supposed to. They might win two. Uh, they just gotta find themselves, man. I, like I said earlier, they just don't have an identity. Uh, once they do find one, maybe two guys that they can go to on the offense that can get them kind of catapulted through, kind of find a spark plug a little bit, they might, you know, might start get the ball rolling a little bit. Hopefully they do. On defense, I think we're fine. I think if you get the, the guys some rest on the sidelines, even just a little bit, you 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 have uh, at least a good defensive line push, even with the loss of Taj Austin. But yeah, uh, man, that sucks. Taj Austin was having a great season. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, prayers, yeah. prayers up for T- Taj Austin. I just wanted to throw that in there too. Glad you guys brought it up because um, I think he's a guy that's going to be a solid player. And I think you know I feel bad for him because he waited so long to to get back to D one. Had the knee injury at East Carolina. Went to JUCO, came back, and in his second game has the knee injury happen again. Looks like he'll be done for the year, but hopefully he comes back even stronger. So. Um, yeah, definitely prayers that, uh, up, but definitely sticking to six sure. and six though. Uh, Bradley, what about you? You still holding strong at six and six, or after two games, have you changed uh, changed your mind on the Mountaineers yet? I feel like I, I I'm gonna hold strong on it, but ask me again next week. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you know that's I mean? me. I'm kind of week to week on it. Like, I, I've got you know what, data, you know what, you know, same. Ask me, I, ask me after exactly. Saturday. Exactly. I feel I feel like they can go six and six, but the caveat is, is that are they going to improve? You know. M- more because if things don't improve offensively with the run game, what so have you, I, I don't think that they're going to get there. I, I think they've got a chance to, you know what I'm saying? They may end up with another uh, 2013 type of season. If the, those few things that need to improve, don't improve. That's, that's kind of what's got me a little worrisome about it. 2013 though, too, also had a lot of controversy. It was yeah. more controversy than it was inexperience or, the problems that we have this year. This team, this team, I don't think this, it's comparable to the 2013 team just because this that defense team is better. Experience. That team was just on, didn't have the talent to play. Yeah, they, I mean, exactly. we was going through Ford Childress and Paul Millard and, you know, all those guys. Uh, yeah, I think this team, I, I, in my mind, is better. Well, I think this defense is this defense is much better. I don't think this defense. I've seen a lot of people hating on the defense, but I I don't think this is bad defense. You know, I think that they've um, held their own. You know, they gave up a couple uh, touchdowns uh, in the second quarter against Missouri after, but they were left with a short field after turnovers. But if you look at the stats, you know, Missouri put up almost 600 yards in Week One. They held them to I think 380 something, and then um, you know, back to back weeks they held the. 
the uh, James Madison quarterback to 156, and although Kelly Bryant made plays, if you look at the stats, he only had 150 yards passing. So I think this defense is actually pretty good. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this defense? Bradley, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, I, I heard defensive backs, so actually, Hakeem Bailey, you still show me up, man. You've still been making plays. Yes, yes. And I, they definitely played higher than my expectations, but I think it's just it's tough to be a defensive player right now. You know, you're constantly straining and going at it and losing Taj Alston, who, you know, one of you guys shouted out as your breakout player of the game. I meant to bring it up last week, uh, how great he played against JMU. Oh, yeah. And I forgot Absolutely. to in our last one. And, yeah, I mean, I was so excited to watch that guy, and I saw him go down. I was like, man, that's a, that's a, that's a huge loss. Yeah, it's but big. It makes yeah. me look even more or more forward to Von Darius Count, I guess. You know, it makes that's sense. That's true. Two more, two more games to get through. Yep. And, uh, you know, I – I just want to see him drive through tackles. You know, that's my biggest. That's my biggest complaint, man. Because yeah, finish, finish. I'm it. telling you, and that's one of those things I expect Neil Brown to fix. I mean, that's why I, I think that's something he can fix. I th- I'm glad that I'm talking about the things that I'm worried about are things I think Neil Brown can fix. You know, the the, the confidence, the foundation, the, all that stuff. Like we're talking about things that we believe Neil Brown can definitely fix. Absolutely, and, and I, I'm I'm there with you. I've been pleasantly surprised with the play of the secondary. I thought that might be the weak point, but they've really actually held up uh, thus far pretty well. Defensive line is as strong as I think we thought it would. Darius Stills has been a beast. I think the one question mark to me is linebacker play outside of Josh Chandler. I still am not sold on, on these other linebackers. I don't think Tonkery's been uh, doing very well in the middle. I think he's been getting pushed around a little bit, and then um, you know I, I think Van Darius Cowan come back could be a big boost to that linebacker core because to me. That's where they're struggling, but all in all, I think the defense is is not bad. I don't think they've they they've, I don't think they've played bad. Um, Steven, uh, what what are your thoughts on this defense uh, up to this point? Yeah, I like the defense. Uh, I think uh, reverted back to Saturday. You know, if you've got guys that are well rested and not so fatigued, you don't have you know guys out there in blown coverage. You don't have guys out there missing tackles as much. You don't. You know, those types of things. And like you guys said, if, when you get Vandarius Cowan back, that is a big get. Absolutely. That, that is a huge get. I, I think it fills a gap and then some of the Todd Austin loss because, you know, you have guys on the defensive, uh, the defensive line that are good. We have guys that are proven there. We have guys that can make plays. They are making plays. Uh, you got to have guys on the second level that can come in and fill those other gaps and, and make up for those and – I think Josh Josh Chandler's done a wonderful job, like you said. Uh, Dylan Tonkery has struggled. Uh, Shea Campbell has struggled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Van Darius Cowan's going to be a big get. I think the defense is uh, one of the, f- the very few bright spots uh, that we have seen this year. Yeah, I think that – If you can count I, it as a bright spot. Well, and then I think, you know, going back to offense, you're still just kind of f- trying to find out who the guys are. I think that – Tevin Bush is a guy you, you need to get the ball to uh, several times a game. And I think Sam James is a guy that's shown that you need to get the ball to several times a game. But you just need those guys to be consistent and, you know, win those one-on-one matchups, as Neil Brown has talked about. I mean, uh, would you guys agree that those are kind of the two guys that are, at this point are kind of emerging to possibly be playmakers that this offense needs to try and get the ball uh, to and kind of run through if they're going to hopefully have some success and improve going forward? Bradley, uh, what do you think? Yes, but I also think I'd like to see more of T.J. Simmons. Yeah, I think was, that that man is a guy that's non-existent against himself. Missouri. And I don't know if it's just because I, I, I feel like they didn't really throw it to him. I guess I couldn't really watch it too much. Right. But I feel like that's a man that tried to establish himself as a leader in the locker room. So I really want to see him step up and you know really 
you know, show that you know he's here. He's, I guess, junior in the locker room. But you know, he's he's the he's the veteran. You know, yeah, I want to see him step up and you know, show show him show out the way I thought he would. I was a lot more excited for him than what he's shown for me. So I really expect him to break it out a little bit more. Absolutely, uh, Stephen. What are your thoughts? You know, West Virginia's had the guys in the past. They've got a couple guys they can, you know, use as a spark for their offense. You know, you had Tavon and Stedman. You had Kevin White and Mario Offord, Gary Jennings and David Seals most recently. But you know, who are those guys that you're looking at that you're thinking those are the guys we need to get the ball and and hopefully make some plays if we're going to improve this offense? Uh, yeah, I like Sam James. I do think he's uh, one of the more shifty guys that we have. Uh, I like Tevin Bush though. I really think that this year he's done. He's. I mean, you see it in the seen it he's against improved. JMU. He's he's very yeah. much improved. The kid is he's he's more quicker laterally. It seems uh, he's definitely got more speed. Uh, he's he's got that. I think with the. I think with the. Oh yeah, yeah. With the experience that he has, you know, and one of the guys coming back, one of the very few guys coming back on the offense last year. I think that he's got to be the guy you go to. He's the, one of the only few guys that has been making what place he can on the offense. So uh, I, I like Sam James. Like I said, I just think that he's still got some learning to do. I think he's got yeah, some he's, growth. He's, up he's young. He's him and and the rest of the receivers. You know, as No Brown said, they've got to win these one on one battles because he said so far, you know, these two teams they've played have just uh, pressed man coverage and played everything one on one. And he said the blockers aren't winning their one on one battles. The receivers aren't winning the one on one battles, and the running backs aren't winning the one on one battles as far as making somebody miss. Even despite you know that, of course, that guy's in the backfield, so that's easier said than done. When it comes to the running backs, but all in all, this team has to win those one-on-one matchups across the board if they're going to have some some success. Excuse me, because people are going to keep playing West Virginia the same way until West Virginia finds a way to, you know, uh, combat that. Yeah, and it's just it's pitiful to watch. I, to West Virginia fans, though, guys, just don't take this season so so seriously. I mean, it's not. No one expected us to go undefeated. Right now, the the obvious goal is to get to to bowl eligibility. But and on that look, same token, look, if if you're look, out here after the not, second game and a bad game, and you're calling for the coach's head, there's no other way to put it. You're, you're an idiot. That's hey, just the way I'm gonna say it. You're an idiot. That's ignorant. I mean, yeah, that's ignorant. Yeah. I've talked to I'd, I'd say probably two, three people already that have uh, called for Neil Brown's head, and that's that's ignorant. There's no way that's even yeah. actually a thing. Uh, right? Oh yeah, you know our fans are ridiculous. I've seen it. I've seen it a few times, uh, and I'm like, this is. I was like, I can't even. I can't even think like of the words to say to describe how ignorant it is to call for a coach's head the second game into his tenure with a brand new coaching staff with a with a roster that was left completely bare you know the cover was left bare by the I previous would, staff i mean well, you I know what i was going to make i would still sign no brown for the next 10 years tomorrow if i could yeah that was, that was the point i was going to make you don't look We've all it's well noted and well documented that we all know what West Virginia has this year, what Neil Brown inherited coming to WVU. Okay? All right. West Virginia and their fans, especially the you know, the ones born in the nineties and, and after that, are too mm-hmm. spoiled to you know, they got Rich Rodriguez the first year we went what, three and nine and then after that it was right. you know, conference championship after conference championship. That's playing in the biggies. Forget about those days. That's not going to happen. We're playing against Texas and Oklahoma every year. You might as well get used to it. Well, and I think that's part of the problem is a lot of these fans became fans 
when Pat White and Steve Slayton were doing that thing. They've been fans right. since 2005 and on. So right, and those they, fans they're, 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 they do like a little it. bit of research and exactly. find out what West Virginia played like in the 80s and 90s and especially in the 70s and 60s because it wasn't right. very pretty, I'll tell you right now. But another point I was going to make was Dana, Dana Holgerson's first season at WVU was what West Virginia fans got very spoiled on because he inherited – Geno Smith, Tavon Austin, Stebbin Bailey. I mean, you name it. He you was got, given a diamond. He I'm was literally. giving, at, in my mind, if you've got a defense that even is halfway defense decent that year, he's given a national championship caliber team. And I'm not saying they would have won it. I'm saying they had, they had the potential to win it if they have even a subpar defense that year. Well, you've seen, you know, his first year when they were in the Big East, and you know they went to the Orange Bowl. What they did, I think, the thing that hurt was Jeff Castile left, and uh, Dana Holgerson didn't know nothing about defense and didn't hire the right guys to run that defense, and that's what kept that team from from being successful. But talent-wise, he was, you know, ten times the team that that Neil Brown has inherited talent-wise. Oh, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow. Uh, well, I mean, thinking even further back. What did Don Nealon do in his first season at WVU? Oh, exactly. Don Nealon took some time. You know, I mean, West Virginia, it wasn't, that's the thing that a lot of people that, you know, newer fans don't realize that when Don Nealon took the program over, West Virginia was one of the worst programs in that's college football. Not. Yeah, Francis Nettie did not have a good second tenure at WVU. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was bad. And then, you know, out, you know, less than 10 years into his tenure, he had West Virginia playing for a national championship. So he really elevated the brand to the level that people, people know it, uh, people know it now. And, you know, a lot of that credit goes to those years in the eighties. But if you look back before then, West Virginia has struggled. They struggled late in Don Nealon's tenure. They struggled early in Rich Rod's tenure. They struggled throughout about every coach's tenure until you have the time to build the program. And I think, I think if you're looking now, let's think about it this way. This, you know, this is what the program looks like eight years after Dana Holgerson's tenure. Not to harp on Dana Holgerson's tenure, but the thing is, eight years after Neil Brown's tenure, I guarantee you the team is loaded compared to where they are right now. And we'll that see. just kind of speaks to me about the program builder that Neil Brown uh, will show that he is versus Dana Holgerson kind of just playing year to year rather than being a program builder. Well, see, to me, it's not even about comparing the two coaches because I don't feel like that that that, that – is necessarily fair, you know. To Dan you Hoverson compare does. Neil Brown. Well, not even just that, but you compare Neil Brown to Don Nealon. It's not fair. They play in two different conferences in two different decades. There's complete, nothing. It's completely different style of game. Exactly. There's nothing to compare. What I compare is West Virginia University from one year to the next, and how oh, the no. coaches handle those teams. Now, that's Absolutely. what the point that I always make. You know, D, Don Nealon is idolized in the, at West Virginia, and you know that. His name is everywhere. Not as big as Jerry West, but he's darn near it anymore if you go up to WVU and you spend any time in Morgantown around the program. And I'd, I'd like Don Nealon. I'm not harping on the guy whatsoever. I think that we were very blessed as a program to have him coach here. The point I make is this. People think, when they think back, that West Virginia was this powerhouse number one team. We're like Clemson every single year. We're coming in and dogging everybody. Not the case. We it had was, two great was, seasons in 88 three, and 93. It was two to three good years. Yeah, two through, 90, or, uh, yeah, 93 and 88, we had two good seasons. In 88, we went to the national championship. In 93, we should have went to the national championship. We got snubbed out, and we got undefeated. The rest of the years, we're the same as we are now. We're the same as we always have been. Mm-hmm. 
excluding the really bad years. So if you're a West Virginia fan, I, I just encourage you to do a little bit of research. Find out what program you have because now West Virginia is a lot more consistently successful than what they used to be. So that's that's the point that I always try to make to everyone that always wants to, well, you know, we used to be, you know, the best in the nation. We won the national championships. Well, you know. And I think that goes that goes also you know, played in the big East that, and the Southern You could say the same thing about Rich Rod. You know, they had 05 to 07, oh, unbelievable. You know, three of the best runs. But outside of those three years, you know, it it was eight and four. You know, seven and five. You know, I mean, it, it's right there, right there in the middle. You're still looking to take the program to that next level. But Neil Brown isn't doing anything different than what other coaches have done coming in, and he was left with a worse situation than a lot of them were. And I think, you know, give him a few years, he's going to have the program to that level. And I think you look for him to possibly take it to another level that those guys didn't even take it to. And rather than having a two or three years of success, maybe you have sustained success and keep that nine, 10 win plateau year in and year out. So can I ask you guys, wait, 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 I want to ask you, what, what, when you say that you, you know, you believe in Neil Brown like that, what, what, what is it that he does that makes you think that like, what, what is it? What is making you think that he's building, you know... Uh, Can I take this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, for, go ahead and take it first. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll follow up. I'm just curious. The main... Okay, so since we're talking about Don Nealon and Neil Brown and we're going to compare what we can compare, what I've seen out of Neil Brown since he's entered Morgantown, he's changed the culture of WVU. He has changed the atmosphere all around of the WVU football program. I think that he's came in and he has done things that we haven't seen since we've seen what Don Nealon when he came to WVU. Don Nealon when he came to WVU brought a whole new uh, – he, he built a stadium. He created the logo, for God's sakes. He uh, – countless things for WVU that we wouldn't be who we are. Right. We wouldn't be who we are brand. if it had not been for what Don Nealon did. So that's – when I talk about him, I love the man. I, I appreciate him more than anything. So I wanted to get that straight. But – that's what I like about Neil Brown. He's came in. He's bought into the program. He's a West Virginia guy, it feels like now. It doesn't feel like he's going to be going to the first school that you know that offers him whenever he has a first good season. He wants to be here. Uh, he likes he, us a lot. He, he likes does us like us a lot. But a he, lot. like I said, he changed, he's changed the culture. He has included us, you know, the staff, the students, the fans, more so than even Bill Stewart did. And, Stewart loved West Virginia more than I think anyone has ever loved West Virginia in the history of ever. And he doesn't get enough credit for that either. He doesn't get enough credit for that at all. I think I think West Virginia, West Virginia fans that are talking about going, coming for Neil Brown's head right now, I promise you will regret it in a year and a half, if not in half a year. Because West Virginia, West Virginia in two years will be a 10-win a 10-win team consistently I, I fully and, believe it. and I truly truly believe that well I here's my thing with it to just kind of dovetail off what you said um to me it's attention to detail with Neil Brown on a level that I, I really haven't seen he this guy has boxes full of notebooks that he's just constantly taking notes constantly looking he has a 13 month calendar that he plans out every day from here till the next to the next season he's not only thinking about this season he's thinking about 2020 2021 2022 he's thinking he has a plan to build the bro to build the program down to the smallest minute detail and that's something that you don't really see and i think another thing that gets overlooked is the fact that 
Neil Brown came to West Virginia as a sitting head coach. I can't remember the exact year, but he's the first sitting head coach West Virginia has hired since I think 1940, 1950, somewhere in there. I can't remember the exact year, but you know, Don Nealon had been a head coach before, but he when, wasn't a head coach. When you say that, though, classify, explain what sitting head coach is. He was a head coach of a program hired away to West Virginia. You have guys like Don Nealon, who had been a head coach before, but was an assistant coach when West Virginia hired him to be head coach. Same with Bill Stewart. He was an assistant coach when West Virginia hired him to be a head coach. Rich Rod, assistant coach, hired Dana to be Holgerson. head coach. Yeah. Dana Holgerson, assistant coach, hired yeah. to be head coach. Neil Brown is a head coach hired to be a head coach. He has the experience already running a program, and he's you know coming right off of that into just a bigger program. So I think that that plays a bigger part than I think people people realize and and give credit for. And then he I think he understands you know, the both sides of the program. He understands the business and you know the, the recruiting, exactly. and he understands you know the players and, he, and the X's and O's. He's the perfect mix of like an old school coach, but also has the new school to him. He's really big on analytics. He's hired a ton of an, an analysts. He's uh you know really big with numbers and things. I think you can look at the West Virginia's head coaches. You know the ones that everyone likes to talk about the the Don Nealon, and you can see some of Don Nealon. That's that's you know you can see some of that in Neil Brown. I think you can see some of Rich Rod and Dana Holgerson in Neil Brown as well because he's very good with the X's and O's. And I think you can see some of Bill Stewart in Neil Brown with the way that he has embraced the culture and embraced the fans and embraced the state. And you know that also goes to Don Nealon. And he's also taken the same approach to recruiting that Don Nealon took, drawing a 300 uh, radius circle around the state of West Virginia and saying these are the areas we're going to recruit and try and pluck some players from some other places when we can as well. So I think that he's really looked at what West Virginia has had success with in the past, and I think that he's uh, trying to excel in in those areas and then also bring his own um, brand of things to it that he has learned from building programs in, in the past as well. But I think that he's really good because he's got that some of those old school mentalities and stuff while also being very good on the X's and O's side with the new age of football as well. I think that you've got the best of both worlds with him and his attention to detail is what I can't speak enough to and the the way that he's planning to build a program. He's had a plan since the interview and I think that he's really got a vision for this program that he could take us to a, a level that we, we may have never even seen at West Virginia consistently. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. I think that uh, by the time it's all said and done, uh, whether he whether he does leave for another program or whether he does stay and retire at WVU, I think that uh, by the time it's said and done, West Virginia will be um, a lot better off than what they were before he got here. Whether that means in wins or in, in just total atmosphere, but I, I do truly believe that he is is probably the best hire West Virginia's had uh, since hiring Don Nealon. I agree with that, and I think that if he ever, you know, I hope he's a coach that, you know, does that Don Neal and Bob Huggins style coach here until he retires, but if the day ever does come when he up and leaves, and hopefully it never does, I think that you won't see the cupboard be left bare like it was left for him this year. I think you'll see a program that whoever takes it over could win could win right away with the players that he brings in and, and the style of program that he has. Um, Bradley, uh, anything you want to add on, on Neil Brown? I, I tell you what, we've talked about that. Maryland blowout and just we've talked about like the previous seasons and like just like how we've been in these spots before and the only thing that brings me confidence at night when I go to sleep is the fact that we have Neil Brown as a head coach. I've never felt so confident in somebody in my life and I think that's because that man comes in determined. Like I said when he sat down after that that presser I think he came into that knowing exactly what he wanted to say and I think he pervaded well and I think a lot of people took that you know to heart and I I think he's going to come out I think he's going to show us against NC State. I think 
Neil Brown truly cares about this program. I think he really enjoys being here. We're in Appalachia. We're close to home. We've got history. I mean, he is just eating it up as much as we're eating him up. You know what I mean? And I think he's just recruits love him. I mean, he, I, I usually kept my nose in the recruiting game, uh, but not as much as I have been since I got Twitter. I got Twitter again. Follow me at Big Bubba underscore B Rad or some, something like that. I'll get a better next time. But yeah, it's just, just just the recruits love him, and it just looks like people want to be here. I'm seeing more and more people show interest. I think Sean Martin's really interested in WVU. I would love for him I to I think be. so, too. He went and visited Bluefield. I mean, I love – Bluefield's a different brand of football. Shout out to Bluefield High School. Do you guys My play alma mater. Different kind of ball. Man, Watching a lot crazy. of those guys this year, man. They're looking good. Uh, prayers for Isaiah Johnson, who's a big uh, – Shout out to West right Virginia for making – 2021 recruit. Shout out to West Virginia in general making strides in recruiting. I mean, we've had Darnell right last year. I mean, I hope that guy's enjoying himself at Tennessee. If you ever want to transfer out and come to WVU, we'll bring you home, baby. Hit the transfer portal. See, that's the thing. That's the thing I've noticed about Neil Brown as well. You know, we that was a Dana Holgerson misrecruit right there. Uh, Neil's got I don't I don't know what the exact number is on it right now. He's got quite a few West Virginia guys uh, already on the on the roster for next year, uh, including a Bluefield kicker right now. Kicker, uh, the lineman from uh, Fairmont, uh, can't think of his name right off. They got they like him as a center. Got him, uh, Zach, Zach Frazier, that's his name, got him. Frazier. And, uh, yeah. you know, a couple other guys are going after. So, yeah, in-state recruiting, he's definitely emphasizing. I think all around, uh, I like what he's doing in recruiting and, and what he's doing in building the program. And, you know, you can't look at on-field results this year. That's, that's one thing our fans need to understand is the on-field results this year – yeah, he's got a part in it, game planning and stuff. But, you know, you can't fit a square peg into a round hole. And you've got the players that you're left with. You know, he's brought in a couple of guys to try and help. But if you don't got the guys, you don't got the guys. And he hasn't had a chance to recruit the guys yet. I mean, a lot of people forget A lot of people forget we didn't even have half these wide receivers spring game. Right, exactly. I mean, people forget. We, we knew this was coming. But I think we still come out and beat NC State top prop. I think it's uh, I think it's a possibility. So, all right, have a talked a little bit about Neil Brown, uh, Doug yeah, and Missouri about as much movie. as we can. Well, you know, that was the first time that we really got to talk about him, and I think it really needed to be said with some of the yeah. things I've seen yeah. the fans saying after after a blowout loss, you know, in his second game. So, plus, but, who wants to talk about that game? We just want to talk about you know the other. I game. told you guys. Kinda, I told kinda you guys. What you need to talk about. Let's tuck that one away and never talk about it again. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Uh, you know, usually right here is where we discuss players of the game, play of the game, but for obvious reasons, no need to go into that this week, really, I don't think. So I'll just ask, uh, you guys have any final thoughts wrapping up the Missouri game or uh, looking ahead, not getting too deep into the NC State previews? I so as to spoil our show later, but maybe some early thoughts about NC State or some final thoughts about uh, Missouri, uh, Stephen? Uh, no, I, I, I think we pretty much touched on it all. Uh, you know, you can't keep de- uh, beating the dead horse, but uh, – you know, looking ahead to the next week, I just think that, like I t- talked about earlier, you've got to find what positives that you had from this past weekend and build on whatever you can uh, heading into this weekend. Uh, now, NC State isn't isn't near the caliber team that was as what uh, yeah, Missouri a lot had. Of people were sleeping on Missouri. That was just, right, right. Well, Missouri, Missouri came out flat against Wyoming, and people expected, you know. They just had one of those low games. They had the yes. Michigan State type game. I mean, it was it, that's what that was. I never bought in for a second that they wasn't going to come in ready for us. You know, yeah, a, a, one I is a home. Bit, I had a little bit of a mountaineer moment. You know what I mean? Getting a little, 
Oh yeah, yeah. it happens. But this weekend, you're not facing that type of caliber team. You're going to face a you know a kind of similar team to what we are. Maybe not as inexperienced, but uh, or, they are. They, they more are. They are more in, inexperienced. But I think that they, they haven't played anyone week one, week two. They've, no, they've they've had some uh, not faced any tough competition, but. Uh, I, I will say, you know, Tony Gibson's running the defense at NC State. Uh, they haven't they haven't given up a touchdown yet. Uh, yeah, I, I love Tony Gibson. I will stay true to that till you know I'm an old man. I've always liked Tony Gibson. I hated to see him go. Uh, I, I love Jake Coning though. I think he's five a good go. I, I hated to see uh, Tony Gibson go, but I do. I like uh, Vic Coning too. But I, I'd like I, I like uh, Tony Gibson. I think he's going to do well while he's there i think that tony gibson while we're on the subject of him should be a head coach somewhere uh within the next two seasons if not the next season i think yeah, he's a I, i'm not i wouldn't be surprised i hope he gets an applause as he walks into yeah absolutely hopefully they they show they show the respect because he's gonna be coming in with the team and they're not gonna yeah, that's true well i'm looking forward to to the matchup they should do though yeah I'm looking forward to seeing him back, you know, in Morgantown, even though it's on the opposite sideline. It's kind of cool. And, of course, it's going to be a storyline uh, coming into this week. And, you know, uh, the matchups, you know, West Virginia's got to get their offense going, you know, and it happens to just be Tony Gibson's defense is the next one on the schedule as your offense struggles. So hopefully something can give there and West Virginia's offense can get it going. Um, Bradley, any final thoughts on Missouri or uh, quick thoughts about NC State before we wrap it up? Uh. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to forget this game ever existed. Me too. I'm going to take it far away and hope I never have to think about it again. Okay, back so, to Maryland. Uh, NC, NC State, man, I trust in the climb. I'm ready to see what Neil Brown brings for it. Absolutely. So uh, we'll have more on NC State later in the week when we get ready for our NC State preview yeah. show. be dropping later in the week, probably Thursday or Friday. Um, this pretty much wraps up uh, this edition, the Missouri recap here on the Country Roads webcast brought to you by Trio 4 Productions. We are the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics, found on the web at almostheavenathletics.com. Find us on your favorite podcast platform. You can find us anywhere. Just search the Country Roads webcast. Uh, subscribe to us. Share us as we continue to try and grow. That's always big. Uh, follow the podcast on the Twitter at WVU Country Roads. Follow Almost Heaven Athletics on Twitter at AHAthleticsWV. And always check out almostheavenathletics.com as all three of us contribute articles there and uh, some great content over there to check it out. So having said that, uh, that pretty much wraps it up. So for Steven and Bradley, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go Mountaineers. Oh, hey!